Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey this is liz this is heather this week, we are finally getting around to wrapping up our Gilmore Girls coverage while we talk about a year in the life. And warning, there absolutely will be spoilers all over the place. All right, hit that music. talking about today is Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life. Yep. This came out last year or two No, years it ago? came out in 2016, November 2016. All right. So, finally we went through and we had our Gilmore Girls all the seasons recap. That was actually a pretty long episode. Yeah, well, it's us. Which is why we <laughs> we came back and said, let's just do the revisit. After, as a separate... Uh, yeah, if we had tried to do these as well, it would have been easy four hours, because it's just a lot to talk about. Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, do our review of it. But this time, uh, we're going to go ahead and give a synopsis. And this is the synopsis from Wikipedia. <laughs> so you don't have to have our editorial inputs, just exasperations if necessary. Well, you know, here's the deal. When we try to do synopsis, we just end up talking through the whole shit. So we're actually taking the Wikipedia synopsis and doing that instead. So I will go ahead and read that. This has been minorly edited just to take out extra random names that we already know. We don't need to hear the name Gilmore 43 times. Yep. So Gilmore Girls, A Year in the, in the Life. Due to her frequent travels as a freelance journalist... Rory gives up her apartment in favor of staying at her friends' homes in New York, Stars Hollow, and London. In London, Rory stays with Logan Huntsberger while working on a book for the eccentric Naomi Shropshire, played by Alex Kingston. Rory and Logan are in a no-strings-attached relationship, although Logan is engaged and Rory has a boyfriend named Paul, though she never remembers him. When Naomi fires her and Logan's fiance moves in, Rory struggles with her lack of a career and her relationship with Logan. She meets with Jess Mariano, who encourages her to write her own book about her life with her mother. Emily grieves the recent death of her husband and tricks her daughter Lorelai into starting therapy with her. Lorelai has also been feeling lost due to the death of her father, the career progressions of her longtime business partners, and her relationship with Luke. Lorelai and Luke have been dating for over 10 years but have yet to marry or discuss children. They consider using a surrogate and attend a fertility clinic where Paris works. After fighting with Rory about the book idea, 
Lorelai spontaneously leaves home to hike the Pacific Crest Trail in the manner of wild. The book. Yes, the book. It was very specific. <laughs> very specific, the book. Emily eventually accepts her husband's death, sells their home, effectively quits the DAR, and moves to Nantucket, single and independent for the first time in her life. Despite never actually hiking, Lorelai returns from her trip, reconciles with Emily and Rory, and asks Luke, <laughs> asks Luke to marry her. Rory visits her father, Christopher, to inform him of the wedding. She asks him why he allowed Lorelai to raise her as a single mother, and they agree that it turned out for the best. Luke and Lorelai marry in the gazebo, and in the final scene of the series, Rory reveals to Lorelai that she is pregnant. Now, I guess we probably should have said up front that there's going to be major spoilers in this. We'll have to do it in our intro. <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure and do that because I, <laughs> I just spoiled the whole thing for you. Yep. I, you know, my friends, let me get my bitching out of the way. The synopsis. <laughs> Why even include the sentence about the scene with her dad where she goes and talks to her? Because first of all, it was useless. Uh-huh. It, so, yeah, but um, again, and that's in winter. Yeah, whoever wrote this, whoever wrote this synopsis was terrible at writing synopsis. Synopsi. So there were I don't know. synopsi, synopsis. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this this is not I mean, it, it's sort of what happens. But, you know, I guess they did a better job than we do since ours take an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, but you could have cut a sentence out of there. I could have cut <laughs> several. Shit yeah, about Christopher. Yeah, I I'm surprised. Needed. I'm surprised yeah. it didn't mention Luke's floaty hut. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, the year in the life, the first episode, it opens up in winter, and right away, just the opening scene, it gives you the overview of the town, which was kind of fun because we missed it. And then it uh, brings in uh, Lorelai and Rory, just like we had. And they just jump right ahead to the fast talking and the quirkiness, right? Mm -hmm. What was your initial feelings when you saw, saw it? You know, just when you're about 10 minutes, 20 minutes in to the first uh, episode back after 10 years? Well, one of the things I really noticed, I, I still love the music, right? Like that was one thing that Gilmore Girls always kind of got right was they had really great music throughout. They had a great theme song that was catchy and would stick with you as Carol King. So you can't hate that. Didn't and they take it out of the revival? They though, did. The the they, they took it out, but they still had excellent selections in the the thing. But I think what's really funny, like it starts out the very first opening before you even see anything beyond winter is Lorelai saying, I smell snow. Because you remember that was always her big thing. She loved it when it would start to snow. But then they open on the town and the whole fucking town is covered in snow. Yeah, you smell snow, you idiot. It's everywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yep. My my first impressions, though, and I think that was just due to so recently have seen the show. I'm mm -hmm. like, everybody is so old. They are. They, they've aged not that well. We'll see that as we go through and they start bringing cameo appearances back in. Yeah, not um, some people aged excellently, like Miss Patty. Obviously, she looked fabulous. Well, Miss Patty, like the, the actress Liz Torres, lost a ton of weight between the last one and the new one. So it's almost a little bit jarring because you're used to seeing a very, you know, different mm -hmm. side of Miss Patty, but she looked amazing. 
Sally Struthers looked amazing. She plays Babette. They all looked really, really good. Luke, mm, not aging quite as well. Lorelai, yeah. eh, about fine. She about stays the same. So I know, but that was my first notice. It was, wow, everybody's gotten old. <laughs> what did you think about Rory and her like 43 different cell phones? Okay. I wrote that down. <laughs> so at first, oh, kind of cute and quirky. But then second, first of all, it went through from winter to fall. We had to deal with it over and over and over again. But it doesn't make any sense. We're in the 2000s now, 2010s. You can have a f- one phone for all of the functions, even if you have a work phone. If you're freelance, by the way, your work phone is your personal phone. Right. Yeah. You got a Google number. <laughs> and why not use the phone that works in Stars Hollow that gets reception as your other phone? Because it was a flip phone. <laughs> flip phones. It's not the ne- it's not the type of phone that makes a difference. It's the network. Well, that. But again, if you're in the 2010s and you have to, you're a freelance journalist and you have to look up stuff on the fly. Flip phones don't quite work for that. So I see. Okay, I see. Maybe she has two phones, right? Or she gets a better iPhone that has better coverage in Stars Hollow. Or she just doesn't yeah. talk to anybody when she's in Stars Hollow and she takes the one day as a vacation day. But she's too fucking selfish to ever do that. Yeah. All right. So immediately we find out what things are the same and what things are different in the last 10 years. Um, yeah. So there's a lot. I think one of the first things that cracked me up about this was was Kirk and his new Uber service. Yeah. So Kirk was same old, same old. So I was really enjoy. I. I really enjoyed seeing him just jump right back into that character and have nothing really change. I enjoyed I did that. too. I love the pig. I mean, they got, uh, apparently, uh, Kirk and Lulu had been discussing having a baby and the entire town of Stars Hollow chipped in and bought them a pig instead. <laughs> Nobody wanted to see what would happen with them with a baby. <laughs> yeah. But he keeps... He keeps he keeps talking about this Uber, though. And she's like, that sounds just like Uber. And she, he's like, no, it's Uber. She's like, stop making that noise. Uber. And he's like, but he like doesn't have an app. You have to call his mom. And then she'll track him down and tell you where to go pick him up. And then his car broke down like the first time Lorelai had to use the Uber. So he got to stay for dinner. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did like him. That's uh, played by... Uh, Sean Gunn. Mm-hmm. He does a great job with that character. And I would love to see just like a whole series on his character. Yeah. Kirk and Lulu should totally be the spinoff. I'd watch that. Yeah. And then also the mayor of the town. I forgot his name again. Taylor Dosey. Taylor. So Taylor was back doing his uh, tailoring, right? <laughs> yep. Just, you know, go, going town to town and deciding they all needed a sewer system instead of septic tanks. Yeah. So we, we jumping back in, the town felt the same. There was no growing pains. There was nothing like that. No, I think they still don't even have a stoplight, you know, but now they're going to get sewer. And, you know, one of the like, I guess the first evening that they're there is when, um, Rory's back at Lorelai's house and she's looking for her boxes, right? She's all over. She has boxes shipped all over the world because she has decided to give up her apartment. She is going to be 
freelance and she is going to be freewheeling and roaming with no address and no underwear. Yeah, so that's one of the things that was a little different, right? She was always so um, structured and organized. And I think that 17-year-old Rory would have a panic attack, not knowing where her things are, not knowing where she was going to go next and drifting back and forth. She wouldn't have liked that. So that was a really different uh, direction for the character. Well, I think the the original series, we had talked about it in the last episode, that the season seven is when the Paladino slash Sherman Paladino directors were no longer there. They had a certain image of the way that the end of the show would play out, but I guess the network didn't like it. And so that's why they got rid of them and brought somebody else in and made that farce of a last season. But so what they tried to do with this was basically make it what they had planned originally. And I think that's where some of the disconnect may come with this revival is that it's 10 years later. And I can see a lot of this kind of drifting or being really, you know, not responsible and things like that. I could see that happening right after you graduate college, when you're trying to get your feet under you and you're trying to, you know, you can bounce around a little bit. But 10 years later, and everyone else is, you know, more established, and whatever, it just seems disconnected for who they developed Rory to be. Yeah, this maybe it would make a lot more sense for it to happen about three years after mm-hmm. I so, yeah, that's what one of the things I wrote down uh, that it was different was that uh, Rory is not successful and she doesn't appear to be driven anymore because really she they, she didn't have the fight in her. Well, she seemed to be successful for one thing, right? Like she got lucky and got this one piece in The New Yorker. And that one thing is what everyone keeps bringing up. Like none of her other work that she's done for 10 years, nobody seems to remember or care about. She has really no future every meeting she takes trying to get more work they all bring up that one piece and that's kind of it and it's like well i have no other ambition or drive though i did really like the addition of super proud luke where you've got luke who is not her dad but he has been more of a dad to her than anyone else has and she comes home and you know she's you know lorelei tells her be prepared for super super proud luke he's so excited he's so proud And she's like, what does that mean? He comes and he's like, I've got 47,000 copies of The New Yorker. I bought all the newspapers in town. And then he even has it like laminated onto his new menus at Luke's Diner. Like the bar piece is on the back of the menu. I think that was really cute. Because again, you know, Roy has always been kind of a daughter to Luke, even though, you know, he's not really her dad. So, Yeah. And it kind of brought back that whole paternal he has towards her. He's always looking out for her best interest. And it really seemed like it was in line for his character to be really proud of her. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I really I wrote down that I really, really loved, and you see it right in this first episode, is because this revival was done on Netflix and not through the network, they got to push the boundaries a lot. So they're swearing in it here and there. They've got you know, Michelle is now gay, even though in this in the series, you're always kind of like, hmm, he may be. It was assumed, yeah. But they do talk about him having a date with woman here and there and whatever. So, you know, they didn't really ever address it. And I guess because it was like the CW or WB or whatever it was back in the day. And uh, 
you know, they never addressed it, but now they've just, it's just there. He's married to a guy and that guy wants to have kids. And, you know, Michelle is still, well, Michelle is still a bitch. (laughs) I love him. Um, Yeah, Michelle, I'm glad that they really got to expand on his character because generally for the entire revival, they didn't expand on that many side characters, but we Mm -hmm. only really got Michelle. We got a little bit of uh, Sean Gunn's character and Mm -hmm. that's it. I mean, pretty much it's so that was kind of unfortunate, a little bit about April, but well, even that wasn't, I mean, that's even further, you know, in the next episode kind of thing, like they just kind of mention her in passing. Oh, she's at MIT. She wrote me a letter. I had to have a thesaurus to understand half of the letter and yeah, things like that. So, so we've got, you know, their first night home and she is with super super proud Luke and Lorelai, and then all of a sudden the doorbell rings. Yeah, and they're like, "Who is that?" And the guy's like, "There's some guy." Luke's like, "There's some guy named Paul." Here he's like, "Oh, Paul, my boyfriend. We've been dating for like a year. Oh my gosh!" And they're like, "Do we know him?" Like they have no recollection of this person whatsoever. And I think that that just really kind of highlights what shithead people they are. Yeah. Like maybe this guy was really just boring and unforgettable, but. I mean, come on, you forget him once. That's one thing, but. Yeah, it was about the, it fell right in line with that whole, everybody's in love with Rory, but Rory didn't mm-hmm. give a shit about yeah. anybody. She, you know, she demands, she liked to string people along while uh, they were clearly interested in her. And she's just doing the exact same thing as she always did. So it's very consistent with her character. It was very annoying that they kept that aspect of her this in this. But I think they almost they almost did this, I think, to kind of push that and show it even greater. Like we've always had it, but it was in smaller doses. Right. But now it's like everything within the revival that we didn't like about the first show seems to be amplified in this one, like, I guess because they had Netflix, and I guess because it's just been a really long time for people to think on these things, they just kind of made it that much more obvious yeah. that these people are fairly self-absorbed and really don't give a shit about anybody but themselves. Yes. That being said, I really enjoyed when Paul came to dinner and they couldn't even remember what he was talking about when he had just left. <laughs> yeah, they had, I'm, I'm surprised they hadn't forgotten him as soon as he walked out of the room. Like, Yep. But, you know, one thing that did bother me was Luke not remembering him. Yep. Like, I get it if Rory and Lorelai don't, but, yeah, they're you know, really... they were trying to push it off on the Paul character as being unrememberable or whatever, but, I don't know, that seemed yeah. out of character for Luke. Yeah, it did seem out of character for Luke, and I didn't think that Paul was not memorable. I mean, obviously, him and Luke had kind of bonded ab- about their fathers, both <laughs> only in the same hardware store. Really, Luke? Look at my wrench. That? I mean, <laughs> I can understand Lorelai and Rory not remembering that because they're very self-involved, but not Luke. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's that was the one thing I just I didn't really agree with. But what it could say is he's been around them way too fucking long. You know, he's picking up on their their bullshit. Yeah, that that could be it. Is that we just know that after ten years of living with them, he's just like them as well. Kind of like a sponge. Yeah. And let's talk about 10 years of Luke and Lorelai, shall we? Yes. You kind of expected to walk into this and see them living happily ever after, but you really don't. It's like they had 10 years pass and they lived together, but they literally didn't speak to each other since the last show ended. 
Because, you know, over the course of 10 years, you think one of them would have just said, hey, what about what about kids? Hey, you want to maybe get married sometime? Like they just never, they just never did. They're just like, la, 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 la. And that's, that just does not seem realistic. Now, listen, I know there are a ton of people who go through life and they don't get married and they don't have kids. But generally, it's discussed at least once. Yeah. And Lorelai is so obsessed with creating drama and creating I mean, she just has to have something to pick at and pull apart. So this would be a source of that. You, I can't believe that she didn't do it. So so much so that obviously when she did do it, she dramatized it and picked it apart just like you'd expect her to. So not once did that come up. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Yep. Um, one thing, though, that did stay the same is Rory does not give a shit about fidelity. <laughs> Nope. I mean, never has, never will. I mean, so I they just continued with that. Just she has no problem being with Logan, who's engaged to somebody else. She has a boyfriend that is not very memorable, but mm-hmm. still, and she's just hooking up with him every time she's in London, which she's hanging out with Alex Kingston, who was fabulous in this, by the way. She was fabulous. I have that down. But yeah, she she just doesn't care. And what's so funny is if you remember back to the first series when Logan, they're they're like broken up or they're on a break or whatever. And Logan goes out and bags one of his sister's bridesmaids or something. And she just acts like this is the most treacherous thing that another one human could do to another. But she totally fucked Dean while he was married. She didn't care. She was she was totally cheating with Jess on Dean yeah, just Thank the hypocrisy you. is insane. Thank you for reminding me about her flipping her shit over Logan sleeping with the uh, bridesmaid because they mm-hmm. were broken up. It was actually okay. Yeah. So <laughs> not like we're married. <laughs> you're here at dinner. Like, I know you're a whore. Yeah, technically, where she's been, they're newlyweds with Dean. Hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. I don't know. That's just, it's just very Rory. You know, again, it's all about me. Everyone loves me, blah, blah, blah. And I have to say that as this episode, and especially as the rest of the other three episodes kind of roll out, we start to see that Rory's life is no longer as perfect. And one of the episodes, I can't remember which one now, I have to find it. um, Rory kind of is talking to Lorelai and she's like, you know, you've had a really good run, kid, of everything working out for you. So now it's just kind of your turn to not because that's life. Mm -hmm. You know, life doesn't work out perfectly for everybody and not everybody likes you all the time. Not everybody's going to fall madly in love with you because you walk in the door with a book on your nose. Yep. I agree. All right. Let's talk about uh, Emily and her current living situation because uh, unfortunately the actor who played Richard passed away. Um, between the end of the last series and the beginning of this one. And so they they addressed that. They had Richard Gilmore die. He had a heart attack some months before this happened. And they're all still trying to pick up the pieces. So they go to dinner at Emily's house while Rory is in town. And she has a maid answer the door, as always. And her name is Berta. Now, Berta speaks some language that is completely unknown to literally anyone and everyone. Nobody has a clue what she's saying. She's like, I I thought it was Spanish. So I asked the gardener, but he said it's nothing he's ever heard before. So who knows? She's making some weird language up. 
but it's not just Berta. She now has like five or six family members living in the house. And this just shocks Lorelai, right? Like she has no, she, I mean, her mother has never held a maid longer than a week. And here this woman is just up and moved her whole family in, you know, and he's, he's there doing odds and ends. And there's some kids running around that may or may not belong to her. She didn't really know. And it just seems like her character has really changed from what we're seeing because the old Emily was very much, you have to open the door exactly at this time. And we have drinks at this time and not this time. And they're like, Oh, uh, I don't know what it is. I just eat it. Like she's just had a, like since Richard died, she just had a completely different mindset, I guess. But I do love that. She's still not talking to Lorelai, like right up front. She's just already pissed off at her. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, though, that that stayed consistent, because really with the the switch of Emily after uh, Richard had died was really quite surprising with her uh, not being as, as attached to image and specifics and the demands that she's making. However, she was upset with Lorelai, and they went into why, and as Lorelai said some drunken, stupid memory of her dad that was embarrassing and crass. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, she was playing hide and seek and he went to like Germany, like he like left the town while she was hiding. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a shitty thing that you, you know, you're drunk and you say stupid shit instead of like, my dad bought me a doll or, you know, one nice thing. Uh, but what <laughs> what did you think about the portrait? Oh, I thought it was funny. I mean, obviously, the yeah the portrait was about 16 feet high by eight feet uh, across and mm-hmm. the emily was like uh, well he specializes in these uh great you know large uh canvases and obviously he did because this was as big as a room but mm-hmm. the fact that she had it up there honestly though what would you do if you made a mistake like that you have your passed away father's portrait or in this case, husband's portrait. And it's that big. So clearly you cannot continue to keep it in your house. But you can't just get rid of a portrait that was painted of your uh, deceased uh, husband. Well, what would I do? Or or what would Emily Gilmore do? I, I don't know. I, I What would either one do? I would probably keep it. Because I don't have the $40,000 that it would cost to have it redone if it was my error. And I think that was part of what Lorelai was badgering her about. It's like, listen, you are a perfectionist and you like things down to the inch. Why would you accept this? You can walk up his nose. The portrait is so large. Like, this is ridiculous. Just tell them you made a mistake and they will paint it again. I mean, it's like she's got the money to fix it. There's really no reason not to. Other than, you know, she's just feeling stupid and vulnerable that she did that. But again, probably not wanting to, what do you do with it? What do you burn the picture? You know, what do you do with it? So, yeah, I don't know what I would do with it. I mean, at that point, you can't give it to Goodwill, (laughs) right? You have this huge picture um, of your deceased husband I don't know. I think I would take it out of the frame. Roll it on up. And r- roll Use it, it up. it as a pinata. Yes. <laughs> hide it somewhere, I guess. I have no idea what you could possibly I, nothing. do with that. I don't know. So, I guess it stays on the wall. To the point where, yeah, that it continued to bother me. Like, 
What could you even do with that? Well, what I think she would do with it is she would stick it down in that bottom floor basement of theirs that has all of the gifts that Mrs. Gilmore used to send to her that were garbage and <laughs> all the stuff that, you know, she always had like rotating decor. She'd just throw it down there and it would just scare the grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm sure it was just in mm-hmm. storage forever. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that kind of caught us up with winter. We found out that uh, Emily's still upset, um, but she asked Lorelai like always. But this kind, she kind of had a good reason. Not the crazy. She holds a grudge. Well, one one of the things. Yeah, one of the things that Lorelai shows up at one point and all of these weird people who have taken up residence in the house are like stripping the place bare, right? She's decided she's doing this, whatever, the cleanse your house of everything that doesn't give you joy, Marie, blah, 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 whatever thing that people were into at the time, I guess. And she comes in and Emily, who is always 100% put together all the time, is wearing some kind of like faded rock band t-shirt and torn jeans. <laughs> You're like, Emily in t-shirt yeah. and jeans is life, right? Like this is just the cutest thing you've ever seen. She doesn't even know what she's wearing. She's like, I don't even know where this came from. I gave away yeah. all of my clothes. Yeah, it was really like, at that. yeah, it was definitely. She just seems see lost. Still in this terrible morning stage because she just wasn't like her. But we do start to see later on that this kind of identity crisis that she had it was part of it was morning just like you know Lorelai told her nothing's going to bring you mm-hmm. joy right now so you're going to end up getting rid of everything and then you're right. going to regret it so I'm glad that Lorelai was there at that time for her but we start to see though that Emily starts to get her own voice through the end of this uh, revival and it's it's slightly different than what it was uh during the whole years of the Gilmore Girls original season. It's mouthier for sure, which is yeah, awesome. I like her. I, she becomes really snarky. Yeah. So, I mean, so her as a wife is a lot different than her as an independent uh, uh, person because she'd always worked for Richard and she had expectations of, you know, what she should be. And it now that, now that we've seen this is that she had expectations of what she should be for on his behalf. Not necessarily what she felt like she needed because uh, clearly she's okay with uh, people that work for her just bringing family members to live. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's kind of what it is, is she'd never been an independent woman. She kind of went from prep school and her parents' house and college to Richard's house and being his wife and being a non-working society wife is once your husband dies, what, you know, what identity do you have left? And she's trying to figure that out. You know, she keeps going through the motions of the society things, doing her DAR meetings and things like that, but they're just not bringing her the same sense of satisfaction that they used to because she's lost. She doesn't, she doesn't belong to that world anymore. She doesn't feel like she does. Yeah. I do like that um, in this particular variation that she understands that all the bullshit really was bullshit and we're i'm pushing way out into winter here or fall so i should probably stop talking we could talk about that at fall 
Yeah, we'll get to that. But I have to say that when when Emily is sad, like there's several moments through this where she is just sad. It is so heartbreaking and hard to watch, you know, because again, it's she's somebody who even though she's always been a little bit of a bitch and whatever, depending on whose perspective you're looking at, she she's tough, right? She's very strong. And even if she does get her feelings hard or do whatever, she's very stoic about the whole thing. And she kind of keeps it to herself. Well, now she's not. And I think that's shocking to the people around her who are used to her holding it in and not saying what it is that she feels when she's upset or hurt. Yep. So my my final thoughts on winter uh, is that I still want to live in Stars Hollow. I just don't know that I could actually deal with those neighbors all yeah. the time. I think it would make me crazy. Yes, um, I, I agree. I do notice that there was a definite, at the end of this episode, there was a definite loss because Suki wasn't there. And... I know that they played it off. They were pl- trying to be like, oh, let's be funny and let's put different kinds of famous cooks and stuff in here. A- and I know they were trying to be cute, but honestly, it would have just been easier for it not to be uh, not to be Suki and just to explain, hey, she's upstate now, so we don't see her as often. And Well, I guess they had to come up with some sort of, we don't really want to hire another full-time cook because that would be admitting that she's not coming back. And we have a reputation, so you know the pop up, uh, the pop up restaurant thing was kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird thing. But I think you know it's something, and it was interesting. You know, this whole show was full of cameos. All four of them were just full of these fun little cameos, people you wouldn't expect to see. The Rachel Ray and uh, yeah. I don't know. There's a ton of ton of people that pop up as we go through it. So I don't know. That's what I, that's all I have to say about yeah. winter. All right. Well, then we end up in spring. And honestly, this is my first. Oh, ooh, what? I, I missed the one last thing. The last bit of winter is they're at the they're at some kind of freaking carnival because the town just keeps having festivals constantly. I don't know where their festival budget comes from, but it must be from all those taxes that Taylor takes from God knows what. But uh, Emily calls because Lorelai has told her when, you know, you don't have any joy left in your life. You're not going to have joy for a while. Uh, she tells her she needs to go see a therapist. Like she really thinks it would be good for her. It's really healthy for her, blah, blah, blah. So Emily calls her and says, I've decided to go see a therapist. I started last week. She's wonderful. I would love for you to stop by and meet her. And she totally hoodwinks her into going to therapy with her. And Luke's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, oh my gosh, my mother. No, she just wants me to. She's like, I'm going to therapy with my mother. That was like the end of it. It was great. Yeah. That was a, that was an excellent ending to that show, and you just saw how Emily can manipulate anybody to do whatever she needs to do. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Like her, uh, that's what I start off with with spring was Emily's guilt trips because it opens with them at the therapist, right? So Emily's guilt trips are epic, and then I put hashtag mom goals because <laughs> I think if you're going to spend your life being a mother and raising children, you need to have some epic guilt to throw back at them as they get older. I just think it's fair. (laughs) That it is. That it is. She actually tricks Lorelai into going to therapy with her and they go for a couple of weeks and then Emily just decides she's done. She's not going anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Lorelai's like, oh, well, I don't need to be here. I don't need to. Maybe I should stay and just stays. But again, she doesn't tell Luke that she's not going to therapy with her mother anymore and she's going by herself because 
they don't talk. Yeah, that's weird. So ever. so you've jumped into spring, so I'm okay. Yes, jumped into uh, spring. So Sorry. I am okay with that. Um, I don't remember much about spring, and I just watched this maybe last week. So mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, it's not the best. Yeah, it's not the strongest of episodes. I do... Um, I did enjoy the therapy sessions, except for they kept bringing some things up that you never heard. Like during one of the therapy sessions, Emily said, you wrote that terrible letter to me and on my birthday, nonetheless, and it was awful. And she's like, what? Like, I I never wrote a letter. Yeah. They never resolved that. They never told us what the letter said. They never said who found out who sent it. And it was like, why would you put that in there when you're not going to resolve it? Yeah, it almost seems like there was probably more to that that they just didn't, or they just thought it was just another unresolved issue between mother and daughter that would probably never be resolved, because you can't wrap everything up. I guess. I don't know. I thought that was really, really ridiculous that they brought that up. But I did, I was excited at first when I saw this, oh, we're going to have therapy sessions thing, but I didn't think they were particularly well written, although Lorelai and Emily are much better actresses. Well, you know, uh, I don't know their character, their actual names, than Lorelai <laughs> or than Rory is. So them playing off each other is much more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and their names are Lauren Graham and Kelly Bishop. Yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, but the therapist also was a really weak kind of character like she she just didn't really even say anything she just kind of sat there stared at a notebook like yeah hmm. and we see nep- ne- that's next not- episode that that's not her passion either so <laughs> <laughs> yes we will find out about her passion um but i love that emily calls okay so they go to the black and white and red bookstore which is actually the news the theater in town this is the best scene of the whole revival it's so great. So they're going and they're going to see a movie that they've all seen 75,000 times. But before the movie, uh, Kirk is going to be showing one of his short films. Because back in the series, he did a short film with Lulu and her parents. And this is like the aftermath. It's Pedal the Pig oh is kind of the star. It's it's the most ridiculous kind of noir type of film you've ever seen. But it's awesome. What I also think is really hilarious during this whole scene is they're in this theater with a big sign that's like no outside food whatsoever. And Luke and Lorelai walk in with like bag of burgers, you know, like they just walk in with it off the street. And they're like, now we have to tell you guys that we have heard rumor that people are bringing food in from outside. And then they start panning around the room. And you've got Lane and Zach and the band sitting back here, like, roasting marshmallows or something. Babette and Maury have a fucking hibachi grill, and she's, like, spritzing water on it, big flame shooting up. It's so ridiculous. Like, somebody else has got, like, a fondue pot or something. It's just ridiculous and awesome. Yep. It's like, how funny. I did. I they, they had, There was a lot of humor thrown in here that you didn't see so much in the regular series. Yeah, I, and this one, I think this this scene really and epitomizes it because yeah, right, exactly. When Babette's spraying stuff on the charcoal on the barbecue, <laughs> and everybody they've got chopsticks out, they're eating Chinese food. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, and he's like, can you just please just pretend that you're not right? They're like, mm-hmm. so we don't know what you're talking about. But that's when Luke's phone rings, right? Like somebody's phone's ringing, and are all like, shh. shh who is it? What's happening? He's like, come on, get off your phone. And she's like, it's you. He's like, oh my gosh. And it's her mother who has called and has left him a message saying that she 
she wants him to come over for dinner. And so he's like, I don't, I don't want to go. That, that doesn't happen. She doesn't call me. But anyway, so he decides to go. And Lorelai, of course, yep. goes with him, as you would if your mother called your boyfriend and said, hey, would you like to come to my house for dinner? Yeah. And so he shows up and she's like, what are you doing here to Lorelai? Why are you here? I didn't invite you. I invited him. I didn't invite you. Why are you here? She's like, I'm here. So she's like, but I didn't invite you. Like this like 20 minute conversation about how she wasn't invited. Then she pulls Luke aside and says, uh, Richard left you a sum of money in his will. And uh, I bet you didn't know that. It was like, how would he? And he's been dead for like six or seven months at this point. Why is he just now finding out about this? Like, that's a really weird thing. Yeah. Usually wills are, you know, I mean, maybe they're not that fast, but, you know, pretty fast. So uh, basically, Richard has left Luke a sum of money in trust for the express purpose of franchising Luke Steiner because he wants him to have more of a career path and more of a chance at whatever and keeping his daughter. I don't know. I guess they figure her days as an innkeeper are numbered. I don't know why they think he needs to be taking care of her. She's successfully owned a business for like 12 years. Makes no sense. But I guess it's, you know, and of course, Lorelai sees it as one more opportunity for her parents to try to control her life. Um, and, and Luke doesn't want to be a franchiser. Like he just wants to, he just wants to run his diner. Like he doesn't want that. He doesn't have those ambitions. And then, uh, she shows up at his diner and just like kidnaps him with a real estate agent and goes around and looks at these like hellhole kind of places in the next town over. Like, I think this one's about to explode. Seriously. It's uh, something with the gas line, but we can get it super cheap. So yeah, that was kind of a funny part of that whole episode is when uh, Emily just hopped into the diner to make him go and look for franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when we find out that Luke had uh, not known that Lorelai was continuing with therapy, even though Emily uh, wasn't. Yeah, Emily, Emily wasn't. Um, it's also very similarly when we find when they introduce Bring Back Paris, right? Because was maybe Paris, Paris was in, was the, in the first episode. one because that's when they went to the fertility clinic and of course she's in there being all Paris. Like I'm like okay, the whole idea of her as a fertility doctor is a little bit terrifying. Like you need somebody in that kind of a role who's got some sense of compassion and understanding and not somebody who's going to, you know, sit there and tell you that your balls look symmetrical through your pants. You know, <laughs> like it's yeah. ridiculous. I know. But I think that's I, I think that's her. part of the juxtaposition, though, of Paris as, you know, super smart and doing what she does. Yeah, I know it was she was very she she didn't change how to how's that? That's probably a better way to do it. She didn't change who she was, no matter what position that she ended up being in. Oh, OK. So, you know, he finds out from Emily that she's not been going to therapy for a couple of weeks. But Lorelai is still gone every Tuesday at 10. And, you know, still talking about how therapy is with her mother and all of this kind of stuff. Oh, we've had a breakthrough. It's great. Blah, blah, blah. So he knows she's lying. But what's funny is that he turns right around and doesn't tell her about her mom showing up to take him hunting for real estate. 
She has no idea that this happens because, again, they don't I talk. Know. That's what drives me crazy is ever. that they didn't ever talk. And that's what brought up the issue with wanting kids. And then why not just say, hey, I'm still going to therapy? Obviously, there is an issue with that relationship with neither one of them felt that it was OK to talk to it. If my mom or if my mom pulled my husband aside and had a meeting with them separately and then came out, the first thing I'd be like, what you talk about? Right? No, mm-hmm. none of that. It's fake and it's just there to push the thing along because even Laura Lye wouldn't, um, wouldn't keep that stuff hidden. It wasn't like she was embarrassed and she doesn't need to be embarrassed to Luke. So it just was stupid. It was stupid reason to add angst into that relationship. I didn't like it. Well, but I think part of it was also, you know, she was upset about him just pulling the plug on the potential fertility and he didn't want to do adoption. Like he just didn't want to talk about any of it. And I think that grumpy, angry Luke that starts to come out when he gets stressed out, it's, you know, it was, it was getting to be harder and harder for her to deal with. So I could see why she might want to stay and talk to the therapist, but still, why wouldn't you just tell him like, Hey, I've got unresolved issues about my dad. I need to talk to this person. Like, I don't know. Like, I I don't come home. You know, if I go to therapy, I'm not going to come home and tell people every little thing that I talked about. That's why I pay a fucking therapist. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, stuff I can't tell other people. But I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't there. I know. I had shit to say. That's exactly right. And so this little convoluted portion of... That's why I didn't like spring. It was so much of a, hey, let's mm-hmm. not talk about what we need to talk about so that we can get in, squeeze another five hours out of this episode. Mm-hmm. One thing I did like, of course, they have another festival. I'm like, it's been less than three months since your last festival. Why do you have another one? And we finally get to see the elusive Mr. Kim. So Lane Kim's dad gets a quick little cameo nod because he was just completely absent from the uh, from the story yeah. the first time around. Mm-hmm. He was always, he was kind of like Wallowitz's mom or a Charlie Brown parent, just kind of like talked about, but never seen. Yeah, exactly. But that was kind of fun. So I, again, I like when they do the cameos. We've got Jackson is back. No Suki, but Jackson is back. Rachel Ray pops up in this episode. And um, I, I, I do want to talk about that again, whenever Suki does come back up, because it just popped into my head. So hopefully I'll remember. Okay. Uh, but so now we get our first town meeting. You know, remember that was always a big thing in the original episodes, a yeah. town meeting, because we don't have shit to do in this town. Stars Hollow wants to throw a gay pride parade. They have been ready to throw this gay pride parade. But the big problem is there aren't enough gay people in town. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole town's like, how can that be? We're so adorable. We have antiques and we're quaint. <laughs> <laughs> They've got one gay guy in town and a dog who may or may not be gay, uh, but he's busy that weekend or something. He's going, sh- he's going fishing or I don't know, something it's really weird. Yeah. And so, you know, Taylor's like, well, I, I petitioned Woodbury to borrow some of their gays. And they're like, really, Taylor, you can't think of anyone else in this town who could be gay. And really, Taylor? Like, <laughs> they're just all implying that, yeah. you know, Taylor needs to come out kind of thing. And he's like, nope, nobody I can think of. And they're like, well, how are we going to draw money in? They're like, why don't you start taxing the secret bar? He's like, what's a secret bar? They're like, nothing. Shut up. Shut. Yeah. I don't know. This whole little thing was uh, 
you know, it was it was funny. I did like the part where, yeah, the 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 one one the one guy that they were that was gay was gonna walk in the parade with his dog, and they're like, "Your dog's gay?" And he goes, "No, he's just my dog. I walk with it's him." Just my dog, right? <laughs> he likes to walk. <laughs> if I go in on a yeah, walk, I, love- I bring my dog. <laughs> Exactly. I love the secret bar, though, that everybody in the town knows, except Taylor. And they, you know, they go to these great lengths to hide it, like it's in an alley. And they just, you know, if they hear or see Taylor coming down the street, somebody yells five zero, And then they just all kind of melt into the sides, the lights go out, and the, you know, the gates close and some kid on a bike, like, it's just stationed there to ride around in circles, confusing Taylor until he wanders away. I was like, that's awesome. Like, he really is kind of the like, mayor of Mayberry in this kind of situation, right? Just the one who's always seems to be no clue what's happening, even though he's the world's biggest busybody. Yeah. So. yeah, his busybodiness kind of wears on you. So I think they keep a nice little, keep it to a nice minimum. Mm-hmm. But um, I think though that's it for spring. I didn't really have anything in particular that I enjoyed about it. Um, I liked when uh, Liz and TJ... Uh, accidentally join a vegetable cult. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Luke's sister and her weird husband. They accidentally join a veggie cult. That was funny. Um, oh, oh no, 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 no. This is when Rory has the one night stand with the Wookiee. Oh, yeah. I thought that was yeah, summer. That but was in, okay. No, that was in spring. And she's like, it's my first one night stand. I'm like, at 32? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I know. Really? Ex- especially since she was a journalist working on in the on the political trail. I'm like, really? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, and she's also banging her ex-boyfriend who has a live-in fiance and she has a boyfriend she can't remember. Maybe she's maybe she has a brain injury we don't know about. I don't know. But yeah, so that was that was kind of funny. So basically she went on a went to New York City on to try and figure out some uh to create to for to write an article about lines and she ended up mm-hmm. having sex with a wookiee. As you do. I mean, it's happened to me a number of times. I can't even. No. Actually, uh, with you, there's also, I believe it. <laughs> Not a Wookiee. Jesus. Uh, but no, I, uh, okay. The other, the other lo- little weird storyline that runs through this whole episode is the Sandy Says, the website. And this girl is like obsessed with Rory. Like she keeps calling her and sending her all these video chats about how great Rory Gilmore would be here at Sandy Says, little dumbass fashion blog kind of thing. And Rory has one, you know, she's a hard-hitting journalist and she wants to do lines and, you know, screw Wookiees. I don't know what. (sighs) So she begrudgingly decides that she's going to take this job with Sandy Says, right? And so she shows up and Sandy starts to interview her, as you do when somebody shows up to your office for the first time. And she's like, um, I don't understand what's happening here. Like, you told me I had the job. She's like, well, did you bring any of your work? Like, did you <laughs> prepare for this at all? She's like, no. And then she waits until Rory gets to all of the lobby and calls her and tells her they're going to go with a different person. So Rory loses her shit and has a tantrum right in the middle of this, you know, big building. <laughs> it starts snapping cell phones in half and throwing five cell phones in the trash. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of how that episode ended. But it was really nice to see somebody not kiss her ass 
and not just think she was amazing because she showed up and had a name. Um, but to actually say, mm, you know, yeah, it's, uh, this is a business. Like, I need to know that you want it, not just, yeah, we're going to court you, but you still have to earn it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it did. It did seem like, though, she automatically had that job and she just didn't want it. But uh, by this time... Well, she did, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah, by this time, Alex Kingston was uh, had fired her. She couldn't... Uh, the Condé Nast people, apparently, when she goes and does interviews on the street, she has sex with Wookiees. And so this was her last resort, and it did not work out well for her. No, so this is when she just... I think she kind of has a little snap, right? She has a little bit of mental mental snap here. And this is actually probably a really good place for us to take a break and give you guys an, uh, a, a promo for one of our awesome friends. And we'll see you guys in a few minutes. Are you feeling down because when you rewatch your favorite movie from your childhood, you start to notice some troubling aspects? Are you bothered by the sexism, racism, and homophobia in your favorite movies? Are you wondering whether or not it's still cool to watch and enjoy those things? Well, we have a podcast for you to help you work through all those feelings. Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Elizabeth. And we're the hosts of our new podcast called Your Fave is Problematic. We're going to take all of the pop culture things you love and dive into them and decide if we still love them or not. Available every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you there. And we're back. You ready to talk about summertime? I don't get the opening scene here. Was it the pool? Yes, it's the pool. First of all, they never went to the pool the entire series. All I'm so fucking seasons. annoyed with this scene. Were they, Why are they fully dressed? If they're fully dressed, they have somehow hired neighborhood children to be their slaves they didn't hire them, though. I think they just, uh, like, somehow acquired these children. And it's really kind of creepy. It's creepy. Like, they're sitting there doing the, the umbrellas and the drinks, and they're calling her Khaleesi. Like, it's really fucking creepy. It's kind of predatory. I, I agree. It was so off-putting. I mean, I understand they try and think that they're cute. But honestly, whose parent lets their kid do that to for some old ladies? And... <laughs> Well, there's that. And also, while they're at the pool, it's not just that they're shooting the shit or doing whatever. They are like openly mocking and judging people. They've got back fat Pat that yeah. they're always talking about who then walks up and, you know, it's a larger guy in a Speedo. But, you know, they did some of this like talking about people behind their backs in this series. But this was so overt. It was jarring. And ad hominem attacks are not the type to make. They're not appropriate. You know, you're not making a a judgment on somebody's actions. You're making a judgment on something that, you know, they most likely cannot help. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it was just, it's body shaming. It was just crap. I don't know. It was just not, I didn't like it. I was not happy with this summer episode. No. They did had another town hall during the summer episode, which is basically what put in motion all of the events in summer and during the town hall meeting it was determined two things one was that their little local paper the editor-in-chief had retired and therefore it would shut down after like 185 years or something Mm -hmm. 
and um, which upset Rory to no end because this newspaper that came out once every three months or four months. But it had a poem on the cover. And then it had a poem on the cover. (laughs) Then we find out that the town is going to start a musical called Stars Hollow the Musical. And I can't recall the reason why. Uh, because reasons, I, I think it was their town's centennial, maybe or bicentennial. I don't know. It was some sort of anniversary of the founding of Stars Hollow. I don't know. Um. So yeah, they're gonna do Stars Hollow the musical, and they they decide they have to put together an advisory committee, and yeah. Lorelai signs up to be on the advisory committee along with Babette and the gay di- gay guy with the dog that we saw in the last episode and mm-hmm. a couple other people. Yeah. Sophie, which is Carol King's character. Mm-hmm. She owns the music shop in town that Lane used to work at. And yeah, I, I think the whole town needs to be institutionalized, to be honest. Like, <laughs> they don't have money for running a newspaper or paying someone to do a newspaper, but they can put all this money into Stars Hollow the musical? Question mark. Exactly. Speaking of that, I'm going to jump to the newspaper. Because obviously everybody knew where this is going here is that Lorelai, not Lorelai, Rory, who is so embarrassed that she's back that she keeps trying to tell people she's not back, even though she basically put put all her stuff at her mom's house. I wrote I wrote down Rory's new catchphrase. I'm not back. <laughs> yeah, I know. So obviously you think so highly of yourself that you couldn't possibly let anybody think that you came back home. I mean, well, they also keep teasing her with this over 30 gang. Yeah, this group of kids that have all moved back home. Or I guess they're not kids they are over 30. They've all moved back home with mom and dad. And now they all hang out together and they go to the malt shop and drink one big soda. And all <laughs> I know. <laughs> she should really just join the gang and give it up because that's where she's going to be. Yep. So it's, <laughs> I know. but first of all, it's absolutely ridiculous. Second, um, that the 30 something gang, I thought that was kind of funny. I thought it was a funny little part for it, but Rory, get over yourself. You can come back home. She did. I, she repeatedly. Did. And then, okay. Then they go on to this thing where she goes back and forth with Dozy about, hey, um, I'm willing to do it. And he's like, what are your qualifications? And she's like, I was editor-in-chief of the Yale Review. And he's like, oh, That's maybe. pretty good. And then, and then he <laughs> says, and she's like, he's like, well, we haven't talked about the pay. And she goes, I assume it's nothing. Okay. Bye. Yeah. So first of all, you're telling me the previous editor-in-chief and the two other people that work there got paid nothing. Second, he already admitted that they were solvent. Third, like her first scene in there, when Jess comes in, she complains that she doesn't have any money for underwear. And I think, well, maybe we shouldn't be. First of all, she's not poor. She cannot be poor because she can't just jet set back and forth to London. Thank you. On a freelance salary. And then... Or no salary. She hadn't done shit in months. Exactly. So, well, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't have a salary on freelance. And they don't reimburse you for that. <laughs> so No, and, and that's the thing. Like, who exactly... And, and here's my question. Because Lorelai just really has no clue about the Logan situation, right? Like, she's told her she stays with her friend, Dee Dee, whenever she goes to London. Where do they think she's getting the money to fly back and forth to London constantly? 
I, I mean, I maybe she's got a trust fund from her grandparents that we don't remember. I'm positive ah. that's what it is. But her pretending then, because you want to take a job for zero pay, by the way, that, right. you know, you first of all, you can't tell t- Taylor you're going to quit when you need well, But money. she's also like, I'm broke, blah, blah, blah. I've got no car. And then the next scene, she's driving the same car her grandparents gave her 10 years earlier. I'm like, what do you mean you got no car? You're in a car right now, you I know. dummy. I didn't... There was, I think that's the biggest problem with the whole revival is the inconsistencies, even from episode to episode, even though they're only three months apart. But obviously, she's not starving. You know, she lives with her mom. She can't be so broke. She can't buy underwear and still be able to afford plane tickets to London. And if you were that broke, you wouldn't take a job making zero dollars. It's also been a minimum of six months since this started. Why is she still not gone and bought underwear? That's stupid. I, I don't understand. Like, so you're buying, and, and again, two of the places your boxes are, are not that far apart geographically. And again, why do you need them spread out like that? She clearly didn't pack them well if all her underwear is in one box, but she's got boxes in four different places. Yeah, that's a, that's a Lorelai thing, not a Rory thing. Yeah, I don't know. She was such a planner. planner it just didn't. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. That whole portion of it. I did like to see Jess come in. Yes, he's still hot. Um, uh, Also known at... So this is us. It's just what happens when he leaves Stars Hollow, gets married, and has a life, right? Like that's (laughs) This is a spinoff. In in This Is Us, I thought. I don't know. I've never seen it. This is us. He is married. I thought he was married to Mandy Moore's character, but I could be wrong. In it, so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but I'm just you know, in my head, that's where it goes. Just like when when Dean leaves he's Stars Hollow, he ends up he's going to hunt demons and changes his name to Sam, and his brother I, is now. I Dean. even said that when he came on the screen. I'm like, don't you have some demons to hunt? Really, get out of the get out of the grocery store. You got stuff to do. I know. That's beautiful. <laughs> I was like, you know, but everybody she runs into just kind of proves that everyone has gotten out from under her spell and gone on to live successful lives. And she's a mess. I feel like that sometimes. I think people people wander away from me and then they're like, oh, look how exciting I am. I I don't know. I think that this this episode did kind of amplify the fact that really she is a mess. She's a hot mess. We she hit rock bottom last episode, and she continues to remain in rock bottom. So, it, yeah, she's wallowing in it and, right yeah, now. She, and she is a wallower. Now, then let's talk about thirty minutes worth. Of Stars Hollow, the fucking musical. The musical. Thank you. And ah, wow. Okay. So they bring in uh, an actress named Sutton Foster, who uh, she plays the lead girl in this musical. And she was actually in like a lot of the people who are showing up in this show have been in other shows that the Paladinos have done that, um, uh, that like Lauren Graham has been a part of like different things. Like uh, we'll see it in the next episode. A couple of people from parenthood are there and Sutton Foster was on Bunheads, which was one of their directed shows. And she starred with Kelly Bishop. Kelly Bishop plays her mother-in-law in that show. It's actually a really cute show. I watched it back in the day. It was back on ABC family. So she shows up and she is 
she's been on Broadway and they keep saying she's kinky. Oh, wait, first, I'm sorry. I have to go back real fast to when they're having the auditions for Stars Hollow the Musical. (laughs) Because one, we see Lorelai's crazy therapist is there because her real passion is the theater, of course, and not psychiatry or psychology. And then we also see, this is when Lorelai and Rory have the weird little boys following them and carrying all their stuff through town. And so they walk over to where the sign-up table is, and apparently it's like really ripped, kind of hot guys standing there signing up to audition. And it's Miss Patty and Babette, of course. And so they're like, you know, I fucking this guy who's standing at the table. And Lorelai comes up and interrupts him, and he wanders away. I swear to God, I don't remember if it's Babette or Miss Patty who says it. But they said, um, they tell her that she's a total clam jam. (laughs) (laughs) So again, this really goes back to my loving this being on Netflix and them having a lot more leeway with language and, you know, themes and stuff like that. So I was like, I've never heard that before, but I fucking love it. I I did. I did like that. I completely forgot about it. (laughs) So I I I wrote it down because I was like, what the hell? So yeah, so we've they've gone past the auditions, they've decided and oh, this main girl, she is Kinky Boots. She's Kinky Boots and she kept saying she's not Kinky. There's no character named Kinky Boots. She was in Kinky Boots. Like she's like you need to no, she's Kinky Boots. She knows what she's doing. She's Kinky Boots. So they start doing this play and they've got the advisory committee to watch the I guess the dress rehearsal or whatever. They're going to run through it, make sure it's okay. And they've asked him to take notes and notes and do whatever else. <laughs> and so she starts, you know, they, they get there and she's excited. She's got her notebook and a pencil. Everybody else does. And the opening scene to this play, which again, this is supposed to be like, I guess, Stars Hollow started somewhere during the Revolutionary War up through current times. I don't know what their vision was because it's all over the fucking place. And so the first thing they do is the guy comes in and he's drunk you know, like got a whiskey bottle and then she turns around she's got a black eye and Laura goes what the fuck and the guy next to her is like shh cuts off her her swear but so she is feverishly just writing 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 all of this insanity that's going on and she's like what the hell is happening like, what is happening then they go back in time and now they're doing some kind of musical number that's like your pants or yeah. my pants or you're basically me in pants or I don't know what it was like just all sorts of really crazy shit and she is just furiously writing and she's asking people can I borrow your pen do you have another pencil like mine you know whatever and they're all like what are you writing like you could tell everyone around her thinks this is the greatest thing in the world and she's like on fire she got four notebooks full <laughs> full of notes by the end of this thing yep. and uh but it was like 20 or 30 minutes of the show was this fucking musical. I was like, it why? It was so annoying. It, obviously, they did not have enough content in summer. That's what I said. It was yeah, lazy writing. But they put so. this whole thing in for that long because that normally would have been cut down to maybe five minutes at the most. Yeah, at max. Like, that's a lot for a we're doing a dress rehearsal kind of thing. Again, I'm doing yeah. air quotes. They're not really all that effective so, on a podcast. You know, and so. at the end, they do the Mama Mia um, exits where they come no, and they like sing Waterloo. Waterloo. It's Abba's... Yeah, it was Abba's Waterloo for absolutely no reason. <laughs> what I did love here, though, 
is they said, mm, you think there's going to be, were you able to get the rights for that? Because, you know, you can't just use it. And he goes, well, I put in a call and nobody's returned my call. So I guess it's okay. But maybe we should try to find something different. And Sophie, who, of course, is played by Carol King, the, you know, crazy, talented Carol King, uh, is like, well, I have this song that I wrote, and I would let you use it for free, like, if you want it. And they're like, oh, well, let's hear it. That sounds great. So she goes to the piano, and she starts singing, you know, I Feel the Earth Move. And it's, you know, jamming and whatever. And, and Lorelai's, like, all into it, like a normal human would be. And the rest of them are like, mm, Or weak. not catchy enough. <laughs> she's like, never mind. Yeah, it's not catchy enough. I don't That'll never catch on. And she's like, okay. Like, her entire entire self-esteem is now destroyed. It was just like, what is I know. happening? It was so, I don't know. It was so very weird. But, man, this this whole episode was basically just this. And... It got really annoying. It was really old. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, it was even worse. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so long. You know, this is the time mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom. <laughs> put that in the thing. You've got 20 minutes. Go to the bathroom, make a sandwich, have I a know, smoke. Exactly. Whatever you need to do, go do it. You come back. They'll All still right. be going. Well, I thought that was funny um, about the this was that for some reason, Lorelai was the only one that saw these problems with the play. And it was definitely a lot of problems uh well what's funny is they call her back later towards the end of the episode and they're like everybody needs to come back we've we figured out the final song and she walks in and it's this girl is singing and it's a song that has nothing to do with anything at all except to speak directly to Lorelai Gilmore you know like it literally makes no sense in any way shape or form around Stars Hollow the musical and it's just, you know, she's crying and all this stuff. So, you know, she has these epiphany type moments. But I wanted to talk about this is when we start to see because we got to switch over to Emily. I don't think we even talked about Emily this episode at all. She has, you know, she has the DAR meeting at her house. And you can tell she's just kind of over it, right? Like she's no longer interested in the gossip or the 16th century douche that they've purchased after their last meeting, which was a pretty hilarious comment. Um, but then Rory shows up and Emily's got like a TV set up in her living room, which would never have been a thing before. And she's like, Oh, she's like, what are these? She's like, um, they said they're called TV trays. I was eating my dinner in here the other night. And again, their mind's just blown. Cause this, you know, the one who taught them to be a snob was now, you know, down to earth t-shirt wearing, you know, whatever. So yeah, th- th- this was the beginning of the, making it very, very evident that she's starting to enjoy. It seemed like she's starting to enjoy her life a little bit, even though she's still clearly depressed. But well, she's also started dating at this point. She is now dating one of Richard's friends, John or Jack, or I don't know something. And who played that uh, older gentleman? His name is Ray Wise. Oh, cool. And I've seen this guy in like, literally everything i guess he was in twin peaks back in the mm-hmm. day um he's been in jeepers creepers he was in he did the voice of commissioner gordon in Cat batman the killing joke that we went to go see with some of our podcast friends not too long back yeah they had the same so he's just been 
He's the same hairstyle since I'm pretty sure I saw this guy in an episode of the Golden Girls. He may have been dating Blanche. Like, it's just one of those guys that's been around for a million years. So he shows up and he plays the he's a friend of Richard's for years and years. She met him at the club when she was trying to get back out there. Rory convinced her she needed to go back to the club so that she could have fun with her friends. And then Lorelai had a stroke because now mommy's dating and that's not supposed to happen. Only she can do that. Um but this is uh, when Lorelai shows up because they are supposed to go out and see Richard's headstone. Now, mind you, it's been probably almost a year at this point since he died. Yep. So I think this they said this is his fifth headstone. So the first one had a quote misspelled or not. They had a quote, but it wasn't attributed. And then they had the quote attributed, but it didn't have quotation marks. And then it had one quotation mark, single quotation marks instead of double quotation marks. One fell off a truck and then they show up at the cemetery and it's got, you know, um, single quotation. I don't know what. Yeah, whatever it had. Or it's one or the other. I don't know. They're like, she's like, it was right on the last one. And so they, they just wander off. And this is when Rory decides to tell uh, Lorelai because Jess has put it at the idea in her head that she should write a book and she should write a book about her and her mom and their life together. And so she decides she really, really wants to do this. She's been percolating on it, really picks at her. And so she tells Lorelai, she's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm so excited about this. And Lorelai just says, no. That seemed out of character, didn't it? A little bit. But I also think she's also been very kind of protective of her story and her situation and how it's gone ish. But, but has I she? I think everybody knows her story. I well they do. I mean it was in the fucking paper. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they sh- they show Rory looking at the old microfish machine and teen mom shows up and works at the dragonfly with baby in tow or something. Yeah. So. I didn't think for any instance that Lorelai ever has like, oh, these are things that I keep private because there doesn't seem to be anything. But I think it was still selfish because she's like, I don't want your grandma reading that I one time left you in a bucket in a hardware store. She's like, but you did leave me in a bucket in a hardware store. I left my iPhone once in a bucket in a hardware store, uh, Lorelai. So I know how it feels. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it works. (laughs) It's just about the same. They make about <laughs> no. as much noise. <laughs> so I don't know. So anyways, we um, we get this. And so now Lorelai and, and Rory aren't talking to each other. I know. Shocker. And Rory decides she's going to write the book anyway. And she calls, I guess, uh, Emily has decided. I don't know. She's decided at this point. But she's she's gone. She's down in Nantucket with her house of 4,000 people that are living there. She's going to Nantucket and Rory asks her if she can come write her book there or she can go write there. So she goes and she writes in Richard's studio. This, I think that was in this yeah. book. Maybe. Yeah, I think one. that was the anyway, next episode, but it really doesn't matter. Um, it may be the next one. It doesn't matter. They're about the same, but this is what Lorelai goes to the, to the town hall thing and she hears this song that's only for her. And then she goes home because you think, Oh, this is the time she and Luke are going to get their thing on. 
And instead, she goes in and she's like, we need to talk. I'm leaving. <laughs> like, of course you are, stupid bitch. That's all you ever do yes, is run away. It, sh- it doesn't make any sense. And the reason why she's having a breakdown right now is because she's the one that's normally the fuck up. And finally, it's her daughter. And she doesn't know what to do. She's having an right. identity crisis. Yeah. So I don't know. So basically, she she comes in and she tells him, I'm going to do wild. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're going to do wild? And he goes, book or movie? She's like, book. It's always the book. And he's like, you're going to go hiking. Yes. You you know that trail's like 2,000 miles long. I'm not going to do all of it. Like, just all this, like, it's like you, Lorelai Gilmore, are going to go outside in nature where there's bugs, (laughs) no hotel. And so she just leaves. Like, that's. Yeah. I think that was the end of, of. It's never or now. That's what she kept saying. And I'm like, what does that mean? You could do it next yeah, week. Like, I that know. doesn't so, even make sense. Really weird. Anyway, that was the end of summer was when we find out she's going to go do wild. Yeah. And. Well, my final thought on summer was they really are pushing us as an audience to realize just how big of assholes that Lorelai and Rory really are. All of the other characters, like I said before, are growing but these two idiots never do. Yeah, they're really kind of stuck in their ways. All right. Well, so are we going to redeem ourselves in fall? Because this is the last episode. God, you know, you hope so. You really hope so. I will say the first five minutes of fall, it's a montage of Lorelai trying to shove a month's worth of supplies in a backpack. Yep. In a hotel, in a dirty looking hotel room by herself. It's entertaining. Oh, yeah. And annoying because it was really long. Like it just kept going. Like we get it. You can't pack the backpack. We got it. I think the what happens is they write a funny joke, a funny bit. And then they're like, and we're going to continue to harass this, like the three cell phones thing. And, you know, the oh, oh, it's we're overstuffing a backpack phase. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like, again, it's it's a funny it's a funny idea that, again, you, you know how it is when you're packing something and that one thing gets left out. And now you have to start all over because it's not just going to fit in. It's like Tetris. You have to get everything in in the right order. So, you know, like Apollo 13, like they had to turn all the switches on in the right order or else it would draw too many yep. amps. Same thing with a backpack. Just, you know, full of magic. <laughs> Yeah, so so they're starting <laughs> to line everything up for the finale of this of this season. So fall is supposed to be the biggest, you know, impact. So right now the people that are troubled are Rory because she is kind of hit rock bottom. She doesn't have anything going for her. Um she instinctively keeps calling Logan even though she said she really shouldn't see him anymore. <laughs> Yeah, she keeps accidentally doing it. She's at Lane's house, and he, you hear, hello, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I keep doing that. I did it like eight times yesterday. And then she just hangs up on him. She calls him 15 times in a row and hangs up. I like Lane. Get, something yeah. about privacy, or I don't know what it that was. Lane but. took the phone, and she's like, why are you calling? She's like, she called me. And she's like, I don't believe that. <laughs> something like it. Uh, she was just being the perfect best well, friend. Well, even if she did. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one thing I could have used more of in this entire run was Lane Kim. I know. Because she was actually, I think she made Rory a better person. Exactly. And she and Rory needs that in her life. 
Because mm-hmm. all she's got now is Paris and her weird divorce from Doyle mm-hmm. and don't want to make the nanny go up the stairs and all sorts. That's how we lost the last one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, the first five minutes of her trying to cram stuff in the backpack was both funny and annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start seeing some cam- cameos popping up. So this is where we have Jason Ritter and Peter Krause both pop up as park rangers mm-hmm. about letting them on to this um, Pacific Crest mm-hmm. Trail for the wild people. Um, the first night she tries to go, they have some kind of bad weather coming in so they don't let them, uh, let them go or... One person goes, I don't know. So then they're sitting around eating like frozen pizzas that they've microwaved and some hot pockets and boxes of wine and chit chatting about, you know, life and divorce and misery and I don't know, all sorts of stuff. And she's talking about what a good guy Luke is. Everybody else has like a shithead ex husband or boyfriend or something. And then she she packs, you know, for, for why why she unpacked the packed backpack is beyond me. I'm sleeping your fucking clothes, lady. You would never unpack that. That's un that's unlogical. It's just illogical. It's not a thing. Um so she tries to go the next day. Everybody else goes, but she didn't have her permit that you needed to go. Yep. She's like, "It's in the backpack." He's like, well, "I don't have it in my hand. You're not going." That's actually her real life boyfriend. Oh, Peter Krause is her for real life boyfriend. Yeah. Um so I don't know. So she goes and she doesn't get to go on the trip. But she decides she's got to go get coffee, of course. Like how she thought she was going to last on that trail for a month with no coffee is beyond me. She goes to the store or like to a little cafe and they're closed for no reason. So she wanders off and she finds this beautiful vista and she's just standing in the vista. And I guess she's hit, you know, emotionally. And so she calls her mom, who is not in her own bed. That was kind of weird because we didn't know where Emily was going at that point. Like she was just in her not in her own bed. And she calls her and she tells her the story of her dad. I guess her boyfriend had broken up with her and so she and was really mean to her. She had left school, uh, snuck out of school, went to the mall and was crying because she didn't have any money and she wanted a pretzel. And her dad showed up and was like, why aren't you in school? And she just like broke down and told him the whole story. And he took her to a movie and bought her a pretzel. And that was the best day they ever had. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a sweet little story. And I'm glad oh, I and I'm glad that she resolved that anger that Emily had um, towards her because she couldn't think of a, a proper story. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, wow. You know, th- th- at that point, I had completely forgotten about the stupid story that she needed to come up with one because she'd already been talking to Emily about all these times, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but they never they never yep. hit that one. I guess it never came up. So then we've got um, Jess comes down because he and Luke are supposed to go see TJ and Liz, who have apparently since been kicked out of the vegetable cult because they were too weird. <laughs> Which sounds awesome. That is the most realistic part of this entire Mm -hmm. storyline is that Liz and TJ would have accidentally signed up for a vegetable cult and then later been kicked out for being too weird. Yeah. It's fairly legit. So it was nice to see Jess. Uh, He's got. Well, Jess comes in and he's talking to Luke in the diner. And you remember, you remember in the first couple, like every time we've had something up to this, 
the people are in the diner and they're like, what's the Wi-Fi password? And he's like, Luke's hot breakfast.com or Luke's, Luke's big biscuit or whatever. He's just making up things and it's different. He tells a different thing to every person. And since they can't access the Wi-Fi, they end up leaving. Well, he comes, just comes in to see Luke and there's like, the place is packed. Everybody's sitting on their computer. They've got a guy ordering like water, nothing, not even coffee. They've got one table. It's got four people at it. They order one bagel and have it split four ways. And they're just taking up shop and it's driving Luke crazy. He like explodes a bag of flour all over himself. And finally, Jess just goes, that's it. And he was like, he's like, what? Did, why do those people have the Wi-Fi password? He's like, I lived here for six months before you gave me the Wi-Fi password. He's like, oh, I got mad and yelled it at somebody. And now they're all here. And so just like, that's it. He runs at the back and he pulls the router out and just he walks and handed to Luke. He's like, happy birthday. Like, Everybody goes, hey, what? Because all their Wi-Fi goes down. And I thought that was, it was cute. cute. One of the things about movie Wi-Fi is going down is everybody reacts at the exact same time. When in reality, you're going, what the, what's going on? Why is what's this page happening? What's yeah. happening? <laughs> this thing sucks. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you having a Wi-Fi problem? Are you having, because it's never just enough for yours to be down. You have to ask yeah. every person. I do that in my house. I'm like, Paul, is the Wi-Fi out? <laughs> like, I don't know. The Let TV says the Wi-Fi so is not out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, okay. So this is, so obviously I'm not, I, I'm actually really glad that Lorelai didn't do wild. Yeah. Because it, it didn't fit her. that's just stupid. Yeah. It's just stupid. I, I did. I actually really, I don't know why I had got such a tickle out of her putting that backpack next to the dumpster with a sign that said free backpack on it. Like that just, that was so Lorelai. It was just like done. I'm out. Here's a whole backpack full of supplies. Yeah. Good luck. Well, one thing that really um, irritated me, well, I was kind of excited at the very beginning because we got a reintroduction of the liver die gang. What the hell's their name? The the Life and Death Brigade. The Life and Death Brigade. I had to look it up. Uh, Yeah, I had to look it up today because I was like, the Yale preppy dumbass society like i couldn't remember it all so i had to look it up guys or something i don't know anyway you know i really i mean as stupid as the whole montage thing was i really liked it like just and i'm looking at it like okay i know all of these guys have money i'm looking at it from the financial aspect of how difficult it was to change the different street signs to say one thing versus another get an animatronic bird to chat with you like all just crazy stuff even trying to get that old lady from the newspaper to get the secret password right. <laughs> Did I say that right? Yeah, like that, was cr- that was hilarious. Crazy. But it was it was really well done, even from just a movie perspective. And then they all show up at the Life and Death Brigade. It's Logan and his three yeah. friends, yeah. drunk morons from college. And they show they all show up and they're wearing like kind of steampunk outfits. They're very cool. And then they just go on a montage, fun little montage to a Beatles song. Yeah, so this was almost shot scene for scene, exactly like um, uh, the movie Across the Universe with Ju- that Julie Tamar did. So I hope she got some kind of royalties for it because it was identical. Same song. And guess what? The song was the song from Across the Universe, not the real Beatles song. I was like... <laughs> I didn't notice that what part. What the fuck? I thought... Maybe Julie Taymor actually directed this episode. No, it was it was the exact same scene. I was just like, 
what in the fuck? Now, I did enjoy it, don't get me wrong, because I liked the movie right. Across the Universe. <laughs> I like that they end up on the rooftop watching Kirk's short film at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Critiquing Petal's performance. Yeah, is that, pretty that funny. was awesome. I mean, I did, I did enjoy that whole thing, but there was something weird about this whole episode of Fall is that they ripped off across the universe scene by scene they ripped off wizard of oz wizard of they, oz they ripped yeah. off social network they ripped off wild and just the episode before they were making fun of the fact that they were copying all of these successful shows to get their to to make their story work and you know for the music hamilton stuff i'm like yeah. what the fuck and they're like i think this is just hamilton yeah. <laughs> i haven't seen hamilton yet <laughs> i know where he did it broken to rap i mean it was they did the same thing this episode and I just, it, it really bothered me. It really took me out of it. Like maybe don't make fun of it in the previous one or maybe just cut a few out like the wizard of Oz, you know, the social network. Yeah. That one was like super spot on. Like if you hadn't seen across the universe, you yeah. probably wouldn't yeah. know about that. You know, you can see the social network, whatever, but you know, everybody's seen The Wizard of Oz. They're gonna. I knew that yeah. one right away. And then so. Wild. We all know of Wild. So, but I, I actually did not. I'm one it of those was nominated for Best Picture. That I didn't but, know. Okay. I, had, I didn't see. That doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> I knew of it, and I'm like, man, <laughs> I don't know anything about so, it. So, but I. It was cute. It was the equivalent of the 20 minutes of the episode before where they were trying to be like, hey, let's fill in this 30 minute show we have with because uh, it needs to get to an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, one of the things I did like, and it's just from my own dorky perspective, is when they show up to the tango club, you know, everybody's in there dancing. They have all these people. If you if you watch any of the dance shows on TV, like Dancing with the Stars and So You Think You Can Dance... Every single one of those dancers was from one of those two shows, or just about oh, all really? of them. I couldn't get f good facial recognition on everyone, but I saw more than my fair share that I was like, hey, that's so-and-so. Hey, that's a... So that was kind of cool. cool. Um, so then Lorelai shows back up to, you know, <laughs> first of all, Luke is cooking Paul Anka a steak. Now, if you've forgotten, oh, Paul cool. Anka is the dog. But she yep. is cooking him a steak. He's like, I'm not going to blow on it for you. And then Paul Anka's just staring at him. He's like, all right, fine. So, <laughs> and then she walks in and he's like, you know, he's already talked to Jess. Like, like Jess is like, maybe she just needs to clear her head. And Luke's like, Lorelai Gilmore is going hiking in nature. What does that sound like? He's like, sounds like she's leaving you. So he's already got in his mind that she's not coming back because that's her MO. She runs. And so she comes back in and she's like, Luke, we've got to talk. And he's like, no, we don't. <laughs> like, I love you. I love it. And he actually fights for her. I really like that. That even though I did too, he needed to do that. See the last, the second to last season yeah. of the, you know, like story. really he should have done it from like episode four, but he, you know, he really puts, he's like, no, no, we don't need to talk. We don't need to do anything. You love me and I love you. And we need to stay together. Blah, 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 blah. You're leaving me. And she's like, Luke, will you marry me? And he's like, <laughs> just it's total dumb face and uh she's like it's sad it's all set i've already got a date we're, we're we're done you just have to say yes and so i guess emily finds out that they're going to be getting married and lorelei shows up and she's just like giving away her entire house 
the house is on the market. She knows nothing about this. And I love that Emily immediately went, the wedding's off. Oh, my God, the wedding's off. I will see this is why I didn't even buy a dress. It's two days from now. I didn't even buy a dress. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have no one to tell. I didn't tell anyone you were getting married because you keep pulling this shit over and over. Mm. And so she, I know, I would do the same thing. I would not believe it until after it happened. Mm-hmm. But well, this uh, was basically when Lorelai found, you know, because she knows Michelle wants to leave, that he's not happy. He needs a bigger place. He needs more money. Um, she's been paying him out of her salary as opposed to, you know, actually having money to pay him. So she she runs across this retirement home or like a nursing home, and the nuns are setting up shop and she's like basically goes to her mom and says hey <laughs> needs it. she's like you need money she's like i need yeah. money she's like you will have the check tomorrow if you agree i'm moving to nantucket you can agree that you and luke will come and spend one week in this you know two weeks in the summer one week at christmas blah 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 blah. and it's just like she's like if you agree to that you'll have the money in the morning <laughs> I like I like that. I like shrewd Emily. She's pretty cool. I also like yeah. during that visit that we see as Lorelai's looking through the house because, you know, things are gone, that we now have a much more reasonably sized portrait of Richard. Like she did finally yeah. go ahead and get the, the portrait redone, which I think was really nice. Yeah, I'd, I liked um, part of this that I really liked was we, we got to see Emily in Nantucket and when um, uh, when her boyfriend... <laughs> We had to go home, best. go back because of an emergency or something. She was smiling like, all right, go. Oh, oh, yeah, I know go, she's like walking him out by the arm. And she's like, Berta, go get uh, Mr. Jack's suitcase. And the thing is already packed by the door. So she's like ready to kick him out, you know. And he's like, oh, bye-bye. He's like, I'm so sorry I didn't get you to take you to the whaling museum. I really wanted. She's like, whatever. Have a safe trip. Bye. And then she goes back, and I guess she picks up the pamphlet for this whaling museum and must decide it's interesting. So she goes, and she's wandering around, and she's listening to the guy give his whale speech. And, she, and she's just immediately enthralled with this place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's just like, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I do like that this is where you got to see her be herself a little bit. She's starting to enjoy life a little bit. She put, uh, kicked off her nice shoes and put on her kids. That was cute. And uh, and she listened to her uh, show tunes on um, on the CD player, mm-hmm. which she never would have done before. No. But she really, really enjoyed Nantucket. And so I think that it really worked out for her because you got to see her kind of stretch into her own. And it was at this point when the I saw it the first time, I thought, you know what? Uh, Lorelai is more like her mom. She took after her mom. Mm-hmm. Because this was her mom's type. It, like she has that whole, I don't want to be restricted, you know, type of person and uh it's really you didn't notice that about emily you thought that she was exactly the opposite but no as, as she started to come in her own she started to enjoy casual things like things that she just didn't enjoy uh or didn't seem to enjoy when she was married well there are also things that just wouldn't have been proper right and she was all about maintaining the illusion of propriety regardless of what that was I also love that, you know, she she only had one child grow, you know, she didn't have a house full of people to take care of. Richard worked and traveled a lot. Lorelai was distant. So I don't think she really ever got a chance to be nurturing or maybe she didn't really even know how to. 
But now she's got this lady and her 74,000 relatives living with her. And even as she goes to Nantucket, they've all, they're all there. Children playing on the lawn, badminton and all this stuff. And they're running amok. But you see her, and it's, it was really weird to me because it was the night that Luke and Lorelai got married. Like in the in, in here, but it was the night before they were supposed to get married. You know, they like run off and elope the night before, and then they're going to do the big thing the next day. So it doesn't end up to be a shamble. But while they're doing that, they show Emily wandering through this house in Nantucket doing all of her thing. And I'm like, why is she there? Like, shouldn't she be there for the wedding? I don't know. But she's yeah. going through and she's tucking people in and turning off televisions and taking her wine and a lantern and walking out to the shore. And just, you just see this contentment in her life that's just amazing. Like, it was really cool. Yeah. I liked seeing that for her. Yeah. And it, and you see that she volunteers as a docent at the whaling uh, museum. Oh, yeah. She's talking about. Yeah. Buckets and buckets and buckets of blood. She was so excited. <laughs> she just got into it. It was so cute. I also like when she tells Lorelai that she bought the house in Nantucket. She's like, it wasn't even for sale. I just walked right across the street and offered him. I, I found out what the house across the street for. And I walked over here and, and offered him double that cash. And she's like, you're a shrewd businesswoman, mom. She's like, well, I've changed the name uh, to the clam shack because I guess the vagina house was taken. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, she changed it from the clam from shack, the clam shack. The house was taken. Right. That was awesome. It was so funny. I was like, "Well, there you go." I just love I know, that. And then she goes, she goes back, or maybe I've missed the part where she, she basically quits the. We talked about it before a little bit. She quits the DAR. She calls bullshit on what they're doing and just tells them all it's such a bunch of bullshit. And you know, we tell this woman with the fake tits that she's getting in. She's not getting in. You're not getting in. Like she's, she's like, it's all just bullshit. And then we talk about the 16th century douche that we bought last week, and we have tea and just stupid. And they're like why don't you take a break and come back? She's like, you don't want me back. They're like, no, but I'm being classy, bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like that. I liked her uh, standing up to that and walking away. Yeah. Because she obviously had lost her desire for it. She got, you could tell from a previous meeting that she had. And, um, you know, I'm happy with that. I'm happy she grew, she grew from that. Yeah, she even said, you know, that it died with Richard. Like, I just, there's no joy here. I got to go, like, peace out. And I just like that she got up in the middle of the meeting and walked across the room and ate a cookie and, like, walked back. Mm -hmm. She just, like, doesn't even care. No fucks to be given. Yeah, I like it when she says, you know, um, you're whatever his name is, fourth wife. And he said, and if you were a little bit older, you'd be in a great position. But we all know he's really healthy. So <laughs> you've got to wait for him to trade you in in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You'll be back at the 24-hour fitness or wherever it is he picked you up. It was really funny. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, you know, I did. Uh, so in this, so one of the things I liked about this episode, um, you know, because Rory had her little fling with um, Logan was his abs. Mm -hmm. We got a nice, we got a nice view of the abdominals. There. Yes. That was nice. He could use a tan, but that's okay. You know what? He's he not lives in London. It's, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So, so she did. She I, had, I she had, a, that. she had the fling with him. And then shortly after that, uh, she got a text from Paul who broke up with her. Finally said, you know, and this has been a year of her dodging him. And two years before that, he said, I think our schedules just don't line up right. Have a nice life. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, he should have dropped her a long time oh, ago, yeah. especially since she kept forgetting all of their dates and things. And that he existed. Yeah. 
but we have to talk about Suki. Suki finally comes back in this oh, episode. Yeah. So Lorelai is at the she's at the inn and she's a little frustrated and she walks into the kitchen for coffee and there's like 47 different wedding cakes sitting around and all of a sudden she just kind of basically breathes out the name Suki. And then Suki pops up, but she gets startled because she's super clumsy, which I always forget until I go back and watch old episodes. And she like shoots frosting across the room. She's like, that was pornographic. It was really funny. And then she's talking (laughs) wedding cakes and doing all this stuff. And she's she's like, you know, we just missed you, blah, blah, blah. And... (laughs) And then, and then Suki starts looking around and she's like sniffing the air like a bloodhound. And she's like, is that, is that, is that Sandra Lee? Is that, oh my God, are those Sammies? Are those Sammies? Rachel Ray was here. Like, it was just really, really funny. So I'm glad that she yeah. got to come back, even though she was only there for like half a day to shoot. I think she had too many other commitments. Yeah, she was but. just there for a second. Um, I did like her. uh she was right. She fell right back into that, um, right back into her role. And it was, it was really seamless. I really like to see her. I would have liked to see her more, but, uh, you know, I understand. Yeah. So then we get a shot of Jess and Luke, uh, the day before the wedding and they're, you know, trying on Luke's suit and all this stuff. And they're just some really, really sweet moments between Jess and Luke. And after all of their years of tumultuous relationships and whatnot, it's really nice to see that they were able to come together and, and Jess is more like a son to Luke than just his nephew. And they're very sweet, but you can also see that he's still totally in love with Rory and, uh, yeah, I guess this is about the time that Lord Rory goes to see Christopher and nobody cares. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Um, but then apparently uh, they they gave Kirk an errand for the wedding. I don't I don't know what he was yeah, supposed to do. They told him to set up a table for presents at the Autumn Harvest Festival. Yeah, he was just supposed to set something up and leave. And apparently he, he shows up at her house and he's hyperventilating and he's got pedals with him and he wants to go upstairs and throw up in her bathroom because that floor is easier on his knees. And he's like, I ruined it. I ruined it. I ruined it. Blah, blah, blah. And he basically just makes himself sick and he's passed out on the floor like a five-year-old. And they start having a discussion. They're like, oh, I just feel like we should be married already. Like we should, you know, if we wait till tomorrow, something bad's going to happen. And like, what about all the people? They're like, she's like, Reverend so and so is up late for bingo tonight. We can get married tonight and then just get married again tomorrow. Nobody has to know. And so they get Rory and they go into town and they've got this beautiful music playing. I really should have looked up who mm-hmm. did the music at the end there because yeah. it was really, really well done, very pretty. And they show up to the park, and it's no longer harvest theme because Kirk was like, oh, I don't even know what happened. I just, there were sequins and boas and, and hot glue everywhere. I don't, I ruined it. And so she shows up, and there's a door that says, Open me in a very Alice in Wonderland kind of fashion. And they just go into this almost like a like a maze, like a you know labyrinth kind of thing of like pink tulle and lights and just really pretty stuff and teacups and you know stuff everywhere. Yeah. And it's just it's beautiful. You know, I think that was really really well done. It was it's up there with the Life and Death Death Brigade, just kind of on the scale of cinematography yeah. or videography, whatever you want to call it at that point. And uh, you know, they just, they don't even talk through the lyric. Like, they just have lyrics through the whole thing. And she and Luke go ahead and get married. And they have 
Rory and I think Michelle were there as maybe I don't think Kirk was there. So I think he was still yeah, passed no, out on the floor. There. She did text him and say it's perfect, which I thought that was really sweet. And so they get married and they dance around the gazebo and then the sun is coming up and Lorelai and Rory are sitting in the gazebo, both with champagne. Not sure if you noticed that. They both have a bottle of champagne. Lorelai's is open. Rory's is not. And so they're talking a little bit. And then all of a sudden we get the final words. Mom, I'm pregnant. That's how they ended it. I was so mad. I know. It was was weird and ridiculous. But I'm glad that um, Lorelai got married. Um, You know, they're... I'm glad for uh, Luke. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm glad for Luke. I'm glad they're together, and I'm that makes me very happy. So that was one of the things I liked about that. The abs, I think I mentioned those. Yeah, the abs were um, good. The abs were good. It's yeah, one of those, like, nice. you know it's going to be Logan's baby, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she's the only, he's the only one she slept with during this particular show. But yeah, she almost kind of want it to be the Wookiee guy or Paul yeah, or, you know, I <laughs> really want it to be the Wookiee guy. That'd be awesome. So. Yeah. So I know, and but if they do come back, which I don't think they are, um, I think they've said yeah. anything's possible. So who knows? Yeah, if there's yeah. enough cash involved, we got a wheelbarrow. Yeah. So I mean, there were a lot of things that I liked about this show. I think one of my final thoughts on it, where is that it's like a romantic comedy. I like them, but I like it, you know. But there was just too much to overcome. Yeah, always. Um, in, in this case, it's not one that I'd want to watch again, especially not all eight seasons. If I watch anything again, I would rewatch the revival mostly because it's shorter. I've um, seen them all a couple of times over the last few years. It's one of those shows that I can put on in the background and not really have to pay full attention to. But it's not it's not a, again, it's not a storyline I have to pay attention to anymore because I already know what happens. But I like it in certain ways and like I know us bitching about this makes it sound like we hate it but and I don't I don't hate it at all I just find these two characters specifically incredibly problematic in a lot of ways and I think the revival kind of almost poked fun at that a little bit (laughs) with with the way that they just seem to be even more amplified in their normal weird bad characteristics I'm very glad that Emily got a happy ending because I think she deserves one Feels like Lorelai is getting a happy ending and maybe Rory will get a grow the hell up beginning. So, yeah. So, you know, she'll always land on our feet. Uh, That is one of the, this, my wish list for this revival. I really wish they would have addressed the elephant in the room. And that is all of the white privilege that we have here. (laughs) It's so white. It's ridiculous. Exactly. So, okay. Maybe so that's what she meant by I smell, sm- I smell snow at the beginning. <laughs> it's all the know. white people. But like, Jess is Mr. White Privilege, okay? Nobody that is not white and in Connecticut could get away with doing the shit he did without being in juvie and never having a career again. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, there's that. Dean, who, is his name Dean or Sam? Dean. Dean. <laughs> Dean, who, you know, is able to uh, have this uh, career without a college education and continue and be beloved by the entire um, the entire city, even after he had an affair. 
on uh, with this girl that grew up there right that's white privilege and then the king of white privilege is logan oh logan is so, so white money. privilege it's ridiculous he can hand her a, a key to a house. house that nobody uses that she can just stay at right you stay here they'll buy your groceries like I, that that was one of the things that really ended up on my dislike list we didn't talk about it it was so creepy stepford wasn't it like listen i've got to go marry this woman for political reasons and family fortune dynasty reasons but you're my side piece and i'm always going to kind of love you and i'm going to give you this house in maine here's the keys there's a gardener you don't have to pay for anything you don't have to pay electricity blah 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 um just go stay there as long as you want and you know that is the he says no strings attached, but he's got a plane. He's going to be popping over expecting some string action. So, yeah. So do you have any head cannons of what's continuing on? Uh, I think that Rory basically becomes Lorelai, raises her baby as a single mother. I think that's why she did go to Christopher and ask him about how he felt as the father, you know, letting her do that. I I haven't decided if she ever tells Logan or not. I don't think she would because she knows that the Huntsburgers are assholes and would probably try to come after her somehow. But yeah, yeah. I think she basically just pulls a Lorelei and starts a new a new life. And her mom is the happier version of an Emily Gilmore. And Emily Gilmore is blissfully happy and ignores the rest of them and drinks three boxes of wine a week. I I like that. I like that addition. <laughs> what about you? Um I uh the way I hope that this ends is that, you know, Rory's uh book becomes quite the success. Uh, it becomes a TV show called Gilmore Girls. <laughs> oh, yes. no, but I think that what happens is when everybody demands a sequel and she doesn't have a sequel, then she just lives it. Right. And so then she purposely becomes a very terrible mother just so that she can write about it in a quirky fashion. That sounds terrifying. Yep. Well, but she needs a sequel. It sounds like a romantic comedy for sure. Yep. Yeah. So. I don't know. That's That's about all I've got, so... Do you have any quotes or con anything like that? I do. I have um, an in-context internet quote. I just really hope Rory's baby daddy is the Wookiee guy. I hope it is, too. That's me, too. 10-4, <laughs> dude. Is that, is that, I'm using that term wrong. Whatever. I agree. <laughs> it's true. Um, it's true. And I do have a recommendation this week. Oh, me, too. Okay, go for good. It. I will do mine really fast. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed the musical sequence with the Beatles playing, watch Across the Universe, the movie. There you Because go. it's better, and it's two hours, and it's good. <laughs> it's not six hours long. Okay, my recommendation is actually uh, for a book, which is strange, because we don't usually full-on recommend books. Actually, I've, I've just finished um, my 52nd book of 2018, because I'm a giant dork and I read a lot. Um, but I, so I kind of, when I run out of things I can afford to buy for new books, then I either get them from the library or I get them off of BookBub and their deals. And they always seem to have a lot of free chiclet laying around. And I figure Mm -hmm. this is a chiclet kind of series. So why not? There is an author that I've been reading lately and her name is Kaylee Ryan and it's K-A-Y-L-E-E. Uh, so if you're looking for her books and she has a couple of books out there, it's called Emphatic. 
definite. There's another one and there's another one coming out. And then there's a couple other series that she does and they're all chiclet. They are kind of on the borderline between smut and like a romantic comedy. So they're like just the right blend though. So you get a little bit of that smutty action, but mostly it's just kind of a sweet story underlying. So go check out her books. I really like them. I'm not making a penny off them, but I would like to. So just, yeah. But just, yeah, I've, I've kept pick, I keep picking up her books every time I see them for free. I'm a big fan. So yeah, go check her out. Yeah. Well, they're not costing you anything. Then, no, exactly. That's, well, that's the thing. Like, I start books sometimes and I go, this is garbage. I picked up one the other day that was like, this woman was given an urn full of ashes, but she just thought it was a pot with dirt in it. And she goes and pours it out in the grass and waters it out. And now there's a spirit attached to her body and soul. I'm like, what the fuck? Done. Like, <laughs> nope. Not all free books are good books. I'm going to throw it out there. Yep. But all free books are, in fact, free. And speaking of books, we have to remind you guys that we have a book club episode that's going to be coming up soon. If you want to Mm -hmm. pick up the book, I found it at the library. I'm sure you probably can as well. It is called Red Rising by Pierce Brown. And it was a new one for both of us. So I'm excited to get a chance to talk about that. And we want y'all to read it beforehand so we don't spoil it for you too much. All right. All right, so that is all we have for this time. Heather, you are on your way out soon here to the Salt Lake, yep. Utah, what is Comic it? Comic Convention. Salt Spot Lake Fanics. I think it's, yeah, Salt okay. Lake Fanics. So you're going to be there the first week in September. And mm-hmm. then the following weekend, uh, the 14th through 16th, I am going to be at Houston's Fandemic Tour uh, with our friend Jenny Kelly. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. I'm super excited. So we will, we will be sending more. If you're seeing me post a lot about that, that's, you know, part of the press tour that we do for them. Perfect. Yeah. So Good. I'm, I'm really excited and I will let you know if we get any uh, updates on producer Craig's schedule, cause he should be moderating a celebrity. Yeah. I would love to hear who he's going to be moderating. That'll be great. So. All right. Very cool. Well, we will catch you guys next time. All right. Do you want a chance to support the show? Want to get some awesome rewards and nerdy bitches swag? Then head on over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. From not your basic bitch to rockstar bitch, we have a monthly donation plan to fit any budget. Your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship. In addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we'll also donate 20% of all net profits each month directly to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in. So hit us up at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches and support your favorite bitches today. Music provided by www.bensound.com and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. She hadn't done shit in months.